0: Hi, we're Ellen Taylor, and we're here to join you on your journey from pregnancy to birth, postpartum, and beyond. Here on the podcast, you'll get interviews with birth and parenting professionals, birth stories, and educational episodes to get you feeling confident, supported, and empowered on your journey to and through parenting. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Hi, I'm Elle Kennedy, a birth photographer and doula based in Orange County, California, and I use she, her pronouns. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Jay Warren, He's a prenatal and pediatric chiropractor in San Diego, where he works with new families every day. Jay is the host of two popular podcasts, Healthy Births, Happy Babies, and The Dadhood Journey, as well as an instructor for the ICPA, the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, He has created online courses helping pregnant women learn prenatal bonding techniques and a new dad's class that helps men with the transition into fatherhood. He's also a proud father to his son, Nico, who inspired him to thrive, to be a better person and a better dad every day. Hi, Jay. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so glad to have you. So one of the things we like to ask um our guests, especially our guests who come from a background in the medical field or work with birthing and pregnant people and parents, is what is something specific about birth that's always lit your fire? Like what are you most passionate about?
1: Well, I would have to say like in my training as a prenatal chiropractor, it was way back 25 years ago when I was in school that Jeannie Ohm, who is the head of the ICPA, that's an organization that uh, teaches all of us perinatal chiropractors techniques and, and processes. Like she spoke about home birth way back then. And I was so excited about it and saw so many great benefits of it that that's what I wanted to do. When I became a dad, I understood it was up to mom, whoever mom was going to turn out to be, where she felt comfortable doing it. But home birth was way what we were able to do for my son. He was born seven years ago, and it was such an amazing experience. And I'm a huge advocate of hospital uh, or of home birth, but I also work in a wellness center where a lot of women are doing hospital, and it doesn't really... I mean, it matters your location and it absolutely matters your um, birth team. But regardless of where you're going to be birthing, I think that experience can be so powerful and so beautiful and such a, a healthy, happy launch into parenthood and as a family together that I want to do as much as possible to have everyone involved in the birth to know that experience is possible and help create that. And so I mainly work with uh, new families doing that. And now I'm doing a lot more work with dads that kind of teaching them their role and how they can support and have that experience, one for themselves, but then also as a family together bringing life into the world and that that just juices me i love talking about that
0: (laughs) oh i love that yeah we actually we talked a lot about uh jenny ohm uh in taylor dr taylor garcia's episode we did a whole episode specifically on prenatal chiropractic Mm -hmm. um Uh, she's my co-host. She unfortunately couldn't be here with us today, which is a bummer because I know you guys would have a ton to talk about. Um, but yeah, she, she really dove into all of that with us. So yeah, you bringing all of that up is, is ringing bells for me. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I really, I really love that, you know, even before you were ready to start a family that you were already open to the idea of a home birth. And I think that that's something that, a lot of people, not just the partners, but also the birthing people aren't necessarily open to until they start to dive in and do research. And I know Mm -hmm. so many people who their story is, you know, I had a hospital birth the first time, and then I learned so much. And this time, I want to do it differently. I want to try a home birth and things like that. And so I think a huge part of it is, is getting information out there.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: and letting people know about, you know, what that can look like and what a home birth really means.
1: Right. And I I know locally here in San Diego, like there's an amazing natural birth community and there's tons of great midwives to choose from um, doing home birth. And depending on what area you're listening to, that may or may not be the same environment for you. But at the same time, they're what kind of echoing what you were saying is that a lot of times it's a couple having their second, their third, their fourth kiddo that might be looking into home birth differently, either because they had a bad experience in the hospital and they want to do something different, or Mm -hmm. quite possibly they had an amazing experience in the hospital, but they really have that feeling of like, "Ah, I got this. Let's do this even better. (laughs) And let's do birth center or home birth but it is a challenge. I mean, with all brand new parents, like they just, you just don't know what you don't know. Right. And so sometimes as practitioners or people in the field, like we want to educate the people that we're um, working with on so many different things, but it can be so overwhelming. Right. You know, there's so many things, especially in postpartum and uh, that get lost because in the first pregnancy, so much focus is going on, pregnancy on the last trimester, the birth, and those things are absolutely important. But on the other side of it, starting family, first three months, postpartum, first year, transition into parenthood, those are all so overwhelming that I love to tell my uh, families that I work with to like spend equal time on both, but I get it. <laughs> Most of the time, the first time yeah. around, it's all about the pregnancy and the birth, and then hopefully we can uh, support them on the other side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we invited you on here to, to talk about what birth and pregnancy and postpartum kind of looks like from the partner's perspective. I think, you know, we've, we've had a lot of different women and birthing people come on the show and share what the birth process was for them personally. But I think it's really fascinating to hear what this process can look like for the partner and, and how that transition looks as well. Um, so would you would you like to share Nico's birth story with us?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I it was such a, an amazing experience. Like what in the whole story of it, yes, but then also for me as a dad, being involved in it. It um was I was able to be much more of a part of it, I think, being a home birth. Like I haven't don't have any other kids. I haven't been a a, a dad at any other birth, so yeah. I don't have anything to compare it to directly, but That experience going into it, any birth, like I was kind of in the biz, you know, I knew a lot about Mm -hmm. birth, but it's different, like being a dad, being the partner, bringing your kiddo in, like I definitely went from Dr. J to J real fast, right? (laughs) Oh yeah, it's personal. Yeah, very personal. Like A lot of those fears that come up in every person that's going into birth, um, both partners, Uh, definitely came up in me. And what I really got out of it um, in a general sense, and I can talk more specifics, is how important the birth team around us was, not just for mom, but for me as well. Um, Because there were certain instances where, I, I remember specifically, so we had, it was, let's see, we had our midwife and our midwife's assistant, and then our doula, and then myself and mom and uh there was a specific time where things were kind of slowing down. Didn't seem like they were going all that great. And this is all my judgment and perception of things. <laughs> and I got, I got freaked out of like, Oh my gosh, like, are we going to have to do a hospital transfer? And what does that look like? And I would, I didn't want to bring that to her. I didn't want to mm-hmm. take her out of the birthing zone, but I was feeling all these things. And I remember feeling those doubts, but then I looked at our doula and my doula or our doula um care messer is her name she was our hypnobirthing instructor also she i trusted inherently and i looked at her and i kind of looked i squinted uh, this is audio so i can't see it but then i was like (laughs) giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down sign you know like are we good or what's going on here and she gave this like big smile like no she's doing great just mouthing it to me Uh so then i my fears were Alleviated, they didn't go away completely, right? Because it's a high emotional uh, event. Yeah, but,
0: but you needed it some came reassurance. Down a
1: bit. I got that reassurance from the birth team, so then I could be more present for her and be back in that zone. Rather than what can happen is the dads, the partners' um, fears uh, get in the way of things. That they'll start their anxiety, like starts affecting the birthing mom. Then. I start the dads start like interacting with the birth team a little bit more and it getting edgy and then it gets in the way of things. So that's why I think it's so important for dads to learn about what natural birth looks like, whether it's through a birth class, hopefully, or um, just getting more information so that they can be more present to what's going on and not be alarmed by it or freaked out by it. Cause I because even though I knew a ton going in, that came up on me already. I took classes, I was in the field, I knew a lot about home birth and birthing and pregnancy and postpartum in women because I took care of them clinically. But then in the moment, those things definitely came up and the birth team was like a big, a big savior in that so that my stress and anxiety didn't influence the the normal rhythms of the birth.
0: Oh, I love I love that the birthing team was able to be there to support you too and that seems to be a theme that we hear across all of these birth stories and when we interview, you know, doulas and birthing professionals is they're not that just there to support the birthing person, they're there to support the partner as well and sometimes mm-hmm. it means reassurance and letting them know like yes this is exactly what we expect this is, you know when when the birthing person especially is going through transition that can often be a real pivotal time for the partner's anxiety to start ramping up with oh my gosh she's saying she can't do this but it's a totally normal psychological part of birth that's you know it's it's a part that we point to and we go oh they say they're over this they say they can't do this anymore that's you know that's a key point of we're almost there we're almost done um but you know as soon as you get that personal emotional involvement involved in there (laughs) it it makes it a lot harder to to kind of remember all of the things that you learned and that you know and there's worry because you care about your partner. You care about the birthing person and the baby and, you know, you have your own fears and concerns. And yeah, I I love that the the birth team was there to support you too.
1: Yeah. And I think what you said there about that kind of like giving up stage or that giving up moment, which every single birth has that experience. And I've been very, very, um, I do a lot of, Work to make sure every mom going into a birth hears that, so that when they have that moment, they don't think that they're <laughs> that it's a gonna be a problem moment. It is that closeness. Yeah. But now, I'm really, really trying to make sure dads hear that. And I I guess I should back up too. like, I'm speaking from my experience as a man being a dad, the majority of the work I do is with other males being men. So I don't say these things uh, with pronouns and specifics to be exclusionary at all. I'm just speaking from my experience. I hope that everybody can be on that same page there. I just felt it was necessary to talk about. Um, But the the I talk a lot about with um the dads in my dads group about the provider protector archetypes like those roles that we have in us and those are masculine female like all of us have those inside of it but speaking mm-hmm. directly to the dads going into it if specifically the protector like a lot of dads have a hard time in birth because they're seeing we're seeing our partner suffering in pain, having difficulty, and those kind of things, and we want to fix it, right? Like there's that tendency to like just jump in and like make her better. Like she's in pain, and it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a protector that's wanting to protect her from the bir- birthing pain. But at the same time, like if you, if if they understand that pain is part of the process and that that sensation is constructive, rather than alarm bells going off. And let's face it, that's one of the only places in life where that kind of intense sensation is constructive and in a good sense, right? Most of us is like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong, so fix it. So if dads can understand that, then we're they're not going to so quickly possibly undermine the birth plan and undermine what Um, mom wants during the birth because like i know we said we weren't going to do any interventions but like she's having a really hard time and she won't admit it so i'm going to be the one that saves the day and make sure that the doc or something happens so in a different sense instead of using that protector archetype that protector that's naturally within us in a sense of protecting her from something, from pain, from the nursing staff, from the doctors, from an intervention, whatever that might be. Instead, I like talking about, let's use the protector to protect the space of the birth. And yes. you can use that energy and you can use that protector that you wanna use that and you know channel that energy towards like, I'm gonna protect this space. And I, I want dads visualizing a kind of a halo, a circle of mom and baby within mom that soon baby's going to be on the other side, right? And inside, but then another circle around that is mom, dad, and baby, the triad. Um, and however that looks to make sure that is like a protective ring and then making sure the birth team is part of a protective ring as well. And that, I say that in a visual sense, I don't necessarily mean that like a person has to work within like energy fields. Like, I mean, those exist, but it's more of a, 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 Um, a visual for dads to think about of let's protect the space and then allow that natural process to happen as it should. And that might mean an intervention is um, brought in, or it might mean that something off the birth plan like happens, but more likely that um being able to use your that own protective nature in that way is going to allow things to go much smoother than getting in the way of birth. And I hear in birth stories a lot. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of um, kind of animosity after the fact. If dad went rogue and kind of (laughs) went off the birth plan and be like i know we have this piece of paper but like you're wrong and i'm right and then it becomes this whole issue in the birth that makes it go a little sideways so i think it's so important for for dads to understand that and that is kind of what i experienced in that moment with the doula of like getting the thumbs up that everything's okay like i didn't i didn't go spin down into a protective mode of like oh my gosh the wheels are fallen off of this thing and like i need to protect it because i'm the protector of mom and baby you know and mm-hmm. that's something that we all feel whether it's right or not like you're not the only one that's protector like mom's protector the birth team's a protector
0: oh yeah there's i mean there's a reason there's the phrase mama bear like absolutely. we absolutely you know women non-binary people like we all have that protective nature inside of us that we can tap into when we need it it's it's the fact that like what you said you have to know when it's needed and when it's not and mm-hmm. how to channel that constructively i really like that idea of you're not you're not there to save her from herself you're not there to save the birthing person from the journey that they have to go to and yeah it's hard to watch someone you care about go through this journey and you're not allowed. You can't, (laughs) you can't be in their head and in their body assisting along the way. So how can you assist from the outside? Mm -hmm. And, and those rings that you talked about, like, you know, what are constructive things that you can do is helping them feel as relaxed as possible, helping make sure they're eating and drinking you know, as they can and as they want to during the process, making sure that their space is protected. And and sometimes that does mean stepping in. I know for me, that meant uh, Jeremy and my doula fired my OB in the delivery room because I was so, I felt so unsafe with them there wow. <laughs> that we fired them about half an hour before I started pushing and no they brought way. another That's laborist fantastic. in.
1: Wow. But
0: but for us, that's what I needed in that moment. But for right. somebody else, it might just be they need their partner's hands on on their legs, on their back, on their arms, you know, holding them, letting them know that they're not alone in that moment. It yes. could mean you know, making sure that the lights are dim and there's, you know, soft music on or or whatever it is in that moment to protect that space. And what that space is and what that looks like is going to be very different for each birthing person.
1: Right. And to calm down that kind of (laughs) overprotector that comes up in us, like, I really want the partner to fuel the provider right and so that's what you're talking about of it doesn't seem like we're doing that much by Mm -hmm. holding her hand or stroking her hair or telling her she's doing a great job or getting her food or getting that i mean it, it is doing in a way but it doesn't seem as active as some partners need to feel like they're part of the whole thing so if Again, we can have these kind of conversations before the birth and say, like, these are amazing things that you can do that are in incredible supports that's going to be doing something and supportive of your partner, like bringing life into the world that will be so appreciative rather than, well, I'm not really doing, it. yeah, I'll get a water, but like, what else can I do? Like, that's all you yeah. can do. That's all you need to do. You know, it sounds,
0: yeah, it sounds passive because you have this pent up energy of like, I need to slay the dragon. Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. okay,
0: give, you know, bring water hands-on you know whatever whatever those little things are is is supporting them while they go through their own journey
1: right and talking about you know kind of on extreme ends of say like masculine energy and feminine energy like most men think like well this is like a women's experience like what am i doing there right and generationally we don't have any reference for it right so generationally
0: oh yeah this is totally new in the last couple generations
1: absolutely like I'm I was a fully present part of all of the prenatal care not because I'm like a prenatal chiropractor but because I wanted to be there and engaged as a partner and supporting and so excited for my son to come into the world but the same thing in the birth like super active and that's that is so new in this generation, like really only in the last couple of decades. Like my yeah. dad, interesting story is that, I mean, I'm I'm an older dad. I have a seven-year-old, but I'm 48. So like my dad, way back when I was born in 1972, and he was part of a pilot program in the LA hospital that I was born in to allow dads into the delivery room. It was a three-month program that was a trial in the St. John's Hospital in LA that I just happened to be the window that I was coming into the world. And so my dad got mm-hmm. to be there and that was unusual. Like it was a pilot program in the seventies for dads to be in the delivery mm-hmm. room, because go back to when my dad was born, it's basically the story is like, all right, you're going to the hospital. Like I'll bring cigars. Like, let me know when the baby's born, you know, that we weren't expected to be a part of things. I think it's much better. And where, where, I mean, we belong at the birth. It just is very new and we don't have generational reference like we're not hearing from our dads what they did so we can that information and knowledge and wisdom can be passed down and it's brand new culturally so there isn't a lot of conversation amongst peers around this is what birth is like and what you can do there's a big shift going on and it's brand new it's brand new for the birthing teams so i think that's another part to um, for birth teams to kind of understand dad's role and how to bring dad into it if dad's kind of retreating like how they can facilitate that but then more importantly for Mm -hmm. the partners to understand like this is your role this is my role and how are we going to work together on this rather than you know, to be you know stereotypical of dad's feeling like, well, I'm just like going and holding the handbag while she's shopping. You know, like just sitting on the wayside. like yeah. This is something that this is these are things that you can step into to have it be a really powerful experience. One in a supporting mom and your partner, but then also I really like want dads to understand like this is powerfully bonding for you and your child. This is like your first. I mean, it's definitely yeah. the first meeting, but. You know, the, the birthing mom is like has a a physical and emotional connection for nine months. And so it's a continuation, it's a it's an incarnation, obviously, but it's continuing on. Whereas some dads don't feel that they're able to bond until they are actually able to hold them. Like that's not true. They're prenatal bonding techniques that you can do mm-hmm. as a dad beforehand, but there's that if, you, if dads can be fully immersed in the oxytocin experience of the birth and like bathed in that as well as mom and baby, then the triad of mom, dad, and baby is going to launch into parenthood in a totally different way than if dad thinks he's got to kind of jump in later on down the line. And that's changing. I mean, dads understand that they're going to be yeah. part of newborn care in a much different way that either you know, just the expectations placed on dads now is very different than a generation ago. And, you know, they're challenged by it. You know, there's just Mm -hmm. not a lot like, well, you know, the thing I hear from uh, dads all the time is like, well, just, I don't know what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it, (laughs) you know? And then moms are frustrated. It's like, I don't want to have to tell you what to do. Just do it. Right. And so that, I mean, that's That's couplehood. But if we can have dads be more educated around like, hey, like this is these are the balls you can pick up and run with and that you might not get thank yous and appreciation for it in the moment. But those things are supporting your family and and supporting your spouse and your baby to be as healthy as possible, then. they'll they'll do those things and it's not talked about nearly as much. That's why I appreciate like being able to talk with you about these things and have other people listen in on it so that it can at least spark a conversation between couples to, to bring more of this in.
0: Yeah. I think all of this is super important. Like you said, one, two generations ago, none of this happened. No men there. I've heard stories of, of, you know, when, people's parents or grandparents were were in the hospital uh they used to expect that if a man was going to be in the delivery room he had to get a signed note from the woman's ob ahead of time being like yes it's okay for them to be in the house so like i I think that was during the transitionary period kind of that you were talking about where they were seeing like is it going to be okay to allow dad into the space partner into the space or is this going to be distracting and detrimental and we need to do some research on this and find out you know what is this going to mean and and very quickly within you know one two generations now all of a sudden our society expects the partner to be there right we ex- and now it's it's the norm that we just automatically think well of course the partner is going to be there
1: right
0: and and especially with covid um this year i've seen so many people go back to well my partner might not be allowed yeah i might not be able to have that support and they don't know what to do because they've grown up thinking well of course they're going to be there you right. know yeah. and and i mean partner being there might not be for every couple mm-hmm. there are some partners who do not want to be a part of that experience and there are some birthing people who do not want their partner to be a part of that Mm -hmm. experience it feels too personal too intimate too private and that's totally okay if that's you if that's your partner if that's the experience that you guys want is to not go through that together there's nothing wrong with that no no no. the big thing is is understanding the transition understanding what's going to happen and and everybody being supportive of the decisions that you guys make right. as as a partnership, as a couple.
1: And I think that that kind of paradigm shift was really evident um, back when COVID started. So you know, talking about with dads being expected to be at the births because – when it was f- first happening, like in March and April or so, I was doing a lot of kind of webinars and calls and support calls for dads who are not allowed into the hospital yeah. for a birth because there's so much uncertainty going on and you, it, it just was a crazy time. And there were specific pockets in the country that this was happening, New York City, and then there were some hospitals in San Francisco specifically. And thankfully that changed pretty quickly It was like policies got put in place. There was exclusions for maybe a couple of weeks, maybe four weeks. And then there was such a backlash that it changed. And I was so heartened by that one, because it's the right thing to do. And two, it shows, wow, like this wasn't like an out of like, Oh yeah. And then COVID hit and then dads aren't in the birthing thing anymore. It's Mm -hmm. more of, no, this is, this is how it is now and how it should be. And it, thankfully, it changed really quickly. And to the other yeah. side of it, too, I've found dads and couples expecting dads to be there so much that sometimes they don't really understand why they should or why hiring a doula is important. And I yes. think absolutely a doula is important because they're taking such a different kind of supportive role that helps everyone involved in it, but it's not replacing dad, nor is a dad replacing a doula. So like, understanding those roles is a great conversation as well, because I, I have that conversation a lot with my patients. I'm like, well, oh, like maybe we're going to get a doula, but my husband's going to be there, and like we get along great, and he's really involved. And I said, absolutely, that's fantastic, and this is what a doula brings to the table that your partner yes. can't do. And you know, going back to the doula being a support during my birth, the, the joke was with my son's mom and her friends they were saying to her, like, you know what? You're not hiring the doula for you. You're hiring the doula for Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that was true. You know, not 100, percent but a lot yeah. of that was true. That I had a support as well, um, and yeah. I think that's that's definitely something every cu- a couple should consider.
0: I think a big, um, a big kind of thing for for couples to really think about is the dad, the the dad, the partner, the birthing person. This is their first, second, maybe third or fourth time going through this. But your doula is experienced. They know what normal physiological birth looks like. This is their job. This is what they do day in, day out. This is what they have studied and done research on and taken classes and trainings and webinars and all of the things to offer this specific kind of support you're not gonna i i I think it was on another one of our episodes we were talking about you know you're you're not gonna do perfect your first rodeo (laughs) you don't have all the information yeah but as the birthing person and partner even your second rodeo your third like you're there's still i i've had two kids of my own and i'm a doula i'm a birth photographer I've done tons of research, I've read books, I've talked to other birthing professionals. I I run this podcast. I talk to birthing professionals every week. <laughs> like this is, you know, this is what I do. And I am still learning. I'm yeah. still hearing new information every person, every single person we have on the show, whether it is a birth professional or whether it is somebody just coming on to share their birth story, I'm learning from them and i'm absorbing their stories and their information and and i bring that into you know that space is I, I bring that knowledge of of this is what physiological birth can look like this is what physiological birth is
1: yeah
0: and and how to support the the preferences and the peop- of the people going through it
1: right you know, and even in this current time, too, like, I think doulas are just even more valuable for the knowledge and the wisdom that you just talked about, like bringing to it. Like, And currently, like when we're recording this, that doulas, at least in our area, in many hospitals, aren't allowed into the hospitals for for births. And a lot of the couples are saying, like, well, like, you know, my doula can't be in the hospital, so I'm not going to hire one. And the conversation I'm having with them is like, but knowledge and the wisdom that they have with you at home is going to be so crucial for you to as a couple know when to go to the hospital and when not to Mm -hmm. because you know what normal physiological birth looks like and even if it's your second or your third time around like every birth looks different and so having a doula at home with both partners then can make the call of no we're ready to go let's let's pack up the car let's get going so that you don't over or uh, underestimate <laughs> timing of things and um, you don't make it to the hospital or and usually more the case right is nope it's not time yet it feels like mm-hmm. it but we're not ready let's keep birth in here and you're in that safe comfortable environment of your own home and, mm-hmm. which is better for normal physiological birth independent of people feeling that it's risky being in a hospital because of COVID exposure so minimizing the time that you're actually in the hospital can be optimized by having a trained professional namely a doula yes. in the home as well so I think that thought it's it's not interesting like you're like well I got the I got a um, dad I don't need a doula but this is what they bring to the table and like oh they can't come to the hospital like in the place where the baby's coming in but they're not so I'm not going to hire one, but the prenatal care visits that you're getting with a doula and prep and headspace, as well as information. And then being in the laboring space beforehand, like sets up that birth of the actual moment, like wherever it happens to be that much more safe and, and powerful.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of doulas, um, when COVID first happened and we went through our, you know, quote unquote, original lockdown, yeah. um, doulas were not being allowed in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I know a lot of people switched to home births Yeah, um, simply so that they could continue to have the support that they wanted. Um, and then a lot of the hospitals opened up and started allowing doulas back. And I know some of them are shutting back down again. Um, it really depends on the area where you're at and, and what kind of the scare level is in your area. I know LA and Orange County, we're pretty much locked down right now because mm-hmm. we are we are really very much so in the epicenter of huge surges of cases. That being said, a lot of doulas are still um, they will still come to your home and they will still help you with labor. A lot I realize a lot of birthing people don't realize um, they they won't admit you to a hospital or birthing center until you're X amount along. Mm-hmm. And that may vary a little bit from place to place. I think on average it's usually, you know, five to six centimeters. They wanna see that you've progressed a certain amount before they allow you to stay there. Um and and especially with COVID, they are pretty strict about that right now. Mm-hmm. They're they're really not giving anybody any leeway on that. Um, but your doula can still come to your home, and help you while you're birthing there. Because I think a lot of people don't realize it's still going to take time to get to that five, six centimeter mark, it's still going to be energy that you're expending, and, and time that that you could have that support. Um, And even if it's, you know, a, a lot of doulas are offering virtual support, phone calls Mm -hmm. or facetiming even after you transfer and things like that to give you verbal affirmations especially if you follow the the five love languages if you're a words of affirmation person you know, if you're, if you're a physical contact person, okay, you know, maybe they won't be able to support you the way that you need right now. But if your words of affirmation and, and things like that, then, then maybe that's a good fit for you. And maybe that's something that they can offer you right now. Right. Even if they're not there in person.
1: And the doula, like say, if, if um, the birthing person is like tactile and um, physical touch in their love language, then the doula is teaching dad
0: on how mm-hmm. to
1: really step into that and making sure to remember to do those kind of things. So that's another yeah. way they do is supporting the dad to be a, a force for good <laughs> during the yeah. thing and to do the right things that that sh- that she needs during the um, the delivery process for it to um, just be an amazing experience. So all of those way uh, ways that a, a dad can get involved, like. They're just not knowing necessarily until it's their second, third, or fourth, but you can always learn more. But especially yeah. if it's your first time, there's there's just a lot of information that dads don't know they don't know <laughs> and even yeah. know like what roles they can step into.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of liken it to if you take a semester class or if you take a year-long class, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, a year of class, you know, two semesters is about 10 months. So a little bit longer than, you know, your pregnancy. Um, How much of that are you going to really retain Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when it comes time to the final? And when you sit down and you take a final test in a classroom, you know exactly what to expect. You know exactly what's going to happen. You tend to have a pretty good idea of exactly the questions you're going to be asked. But in birth it's a little different. It it can go a thousand different ways. Yeah. It's everybody's birthing experience is unique and you have to be able to adapt and change to support the needs of the birthing person and and you know you can read the books and you can take the classes but at the end of the day are you going to retain all of the information that is perfectly tailor-made okay. exactly for the birthing experience of your partner? Maybe. Right. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> that's That's what the doula's for. They've been doing uh, okay. it. They have a lot more chance to study and, and to to learn all of these things and be able to make suggestions of, hey, maybe we should try this. Let's change positions. Let's try, you know, turning the lights down. Let's, you know, try this massage technique or rebozo or, you know, birthing ball. You know, they – they come equipped with all of these different tools that right. that can help facilitate that process.
1: And that process of like taking birth education classes, whatever it is, I I think that one of the most important things about it is being able to adapt to a wide variety of things coming mm-hmm. your way, and like you know, quote calling calling audibles like as needed. Of all right, we need to switch gears, and and being okay with that because I've seen women. Go into birth with a specific birth plan. This is how it's going to be. I took the class. I know how it's going to all work. And when it doesn't go that way, on the other side, there's a lot of disillusionment. There's um, can be anger, all kinds of emotion yeah. around it because it didn't go to plan. Which, you know, as a birthing professional, like we know, like that rarely ever happens. <laughs> it goes yeah. to plan, right? But the 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 problem with that, I found in postpartum is that one of two things happen either the couple or specifically the mom will say well that class didn't prepare me like that and their their anger kind of directs towards the education or maybe Mm -hmm. the birth provider but i think even worse is that they feel i did something wrong like i didn't do something that i should have or i did it incorrectly and the birth went sideways because i'm not good enough i'm not mom enough i'm not whatever enough. And that's even worse. Not that I yeah. want like <laughs> that anger directed towards a person or anything, but that's part of like telling the birth story and kind of decompressing that story and having a perspective outside of it to reframe it if necessary. Um, I
0: think it's, it's largely a, it's the anger stage of the five stages of grief Yeah, is, is where does that anger get directed towards um because a lot of times you know so many of the women that we talk to and the people we talk to on the show they talk about you know the birth didn't go as planned it didn't it wasn't what I thought it was going to be or what I had planned for what I had prepared for and they do they go through that grieving process I know I definitely went through that with my second child Mm. the birth was not what i wanted it to be it mm. was not like i said we fired our ob in the delivery room oh, that was yeah. not on the birth plan. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. i can promise you that
1: no way
0: but you know i i did i had to grapple with that after the fact of of you know this wasn't what i planned but this is what it is um Am- when amanda came on and told her story one of the things that really stuck with me is she said this is the story that's being written She said that was something that occurred to her as she was going through her birth is this is the story that's being written. And I've been hanging on to that kind of in the back of my head. And I've just kind of been marinating on that for, you know, the past month or two since we interviewed her. And, and it's like that in all of life is, is this is the story that's being written. And we have to learn, you know, what are the mechanisms that we personally need to cope with the story that's being written because it's we don't have all the control a lot right. of it is out of
1: our hands and in that analogy which i love is like when you're in the middle of this story you don't you don't i mean there was an ending of it but the perspective hasn't yet come to that mm-hmm. experience to understand the story of the what happened and the what you the story of what happened and then giving that perspective time afterwards with other people that were either there or um, facilitating like some healing around it to then say, okay, this is what I got out of this experience. Like I don't wish that experience on myself ever again (laughs) or anyone else, but this is what I can gain from it. But when you're in the middle of it, like you're, that's not, you're not at that time yet. It feels
0: too big. Yeah. It feels too big to take on. So you need to, Take little bites, <laughs> not yeah. big gulps. Little bites to right. get you through it. Yeah, and I mean that—that's the story of this podcast. Is—is is that second birth messed me up for a while, mm. but also looking back in perspective and—and and what I learned from that is what gave me the impetus to start this: is connecting birthing people with birth workers, connecting birthing people with a community of other people to support them, letting them know all of their options because I had no idea what my options were, even during my second rodeo. Mm, (laughs) I learned a lot from my first to my second, but I still, I didn't have any idea just how many different kinds of options and support I could have asked for.
1: Right. Right. And it's so important to like, not only know, like say if it is your second, third, fourth rodeo that you don't bring, as much as possible, you don't bring the previous birth into the second birth or the third birth, yeah. and, and so that the baby can have their own birth rather than it being a platform for potentially reliving the, the sibling's yeah. birth. Um, and that can be for—I mean, obviously for the baby, but then for for the um, for the mom and the dad. There was there's a lot of trauma that men can carry from a birth experience that then can make the next birth even harder because more and more fear can come up because it's unresolved from the first experience and i see a lot of support because you know in our prenatal wellness center we have a lot of resources for that for moms that have gone through it to be able to work through the trauma um the the emotion of disappointment whatever it might be that is hanging them up to be able to process that but not a lot for dads there's not a lot for men to work through that and i think that's really really important for the couple as well as just for the individual to be able to work through those things
0: yeah, can you can you talk a little bit more about that? So I know, you know, we know what the signs are for for postpartum depression for the birthing person. Mm-hmm. But what about trauma for the partner? What can that look like? How can that manifest and what kinds of resources can we reach out to and and get people the help that they need because you know, postpartum depression is a very specific niche thing, but it can also kind of be a form of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. And and that can be for the partner as well. Postpartum depression, yes, is specifically for the birthing person, but I know the partner can still experience a lot of depression and, and traumatic experience from... Their partner's birthing experience as well.
1: Yeah, know, in the um, perinatal mental health fields, there, I, they're definitely addressing and acknowledging that postpartum depression exists in males as well. There's studies that have come out that as many as one in ten men experience depression in the first year after a baby being born, and that's postpartum period. So it's mm-hmm. different than a postpartum depression in a in a female versus a male, but it's very similar. In a lot of different ways but you know a lot of times you know speaking to males and speaking very stereotypically is when those kind of things are going on in a trauma like we push it down and we bury it and we don't talk about Mm -hmm. it because we're needing to be strong because we're needing to be that rock for our families we don't show chinks in the armor and that's very Mm -hmm. very stereotypical but it's, it's stereotypical for a reason that it can be very true for a lot of um, men that are suffering silently. And so that's part of the reason why I formed the dad's group. Like it's a monthly meeting where we had before COVID, we were getting together in person here in San Diego, Mm -hmm. and now it's moved on to online communities. And it's not, it's not a psychological like support group in a depression sense, but it's a place for men to get together to talk about dadhood and how to help and how to be better but in a the signs and symptoms they're very very similar than as like we're we're trying to identify in um and birthing moms like coming in in postpartum but I see a lot more so with in women I see much more postpartum anxiety
0: mm-hmm. at
1: first and then if left alone for a, a, a period of time it evolves into the depression and they're very closely linked and they mm-hmm. they exhibit in certain ways but i do see in males it it becomes much they 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 become more occlusive they're not doing the things that they used to do themselves they're just trying to get through the day they're retreating into work rather than being at home because home's too hard mm-hmm. And it's usually the friend support network that will pick it up saying that something's Mm -hmm. off, especially if the friends, whether it's other male friends or female friends have had kids themselves, they know what that dark period looks like. And I was very fortunate. Like I didn't, I didn't experience postpartum depression, but in that transition it was really hard but what was fortunate for me is like I w- in my friend circle I was one of the last in my circle of friends to have kids so they were very supportive and kind of knowing like all right like we're not going to see you for you know, a couple of months and that's going to be okay. We're going to check in with you. But they're like, no, 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 Like we're still going to do everything the same. We'll, we'll be there. And like, I'll play volleyball with you next Sunday. Don't worry about it. You know? And they're like, okay, yeah. Jay, whatever. And <laughs> when I didn't show up, like there wasn't any judgment there. So I find that couples that are the first of their circle of friends can Ooh. have a harder time because they have a harder time relating. And regardless, like dads will have an evolution of things of if they have a support network to go to and that support network is attentive and uh, um, conscious enough to reach out to ask and to bring dad out of that haze and out of that hole if if it looks like he's in it um, even better but at Uh least having some support networks available for men will be able to catch it much earlier so they get the support that they need in the same way that we have a lot of support networks already set up for um for moms in postpartum that because we're we just know so much more about that, but I think the next yeah. step is for dads as well.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that they're doing research about that and that they're that you're helping create communities that are designed to help support the partners going through, you know. Kind of that dark period where they're not really sure everything's yeah. changing, everything's new. They're not really sure what to do or how to do it yet. It's, it is a lot to navigate, and it's yeah. real sudden. It's literally one day you don't mm-hmm. have a baby, the next day you do. <laughs> and... it's <so laughs> overwhelming.
1: Yeah, it's so overwhelming. And I, you know that's the reason why I created it was because when I was going through it, I had much more support from my friend circle than a lot, but I still wanted. More of being able to hang out with other dads that had other newborns. I was looking yes. for the like daddy and baby yoga classes. I was looking uh-huh. for stroller strides for dads, you know. And I could have done those things with other moms, but I wanted. I mean, <laughs> what, their, what their I wanted their experience
0: was just very different than yeah. yours, yeah. and you couldn't relate to a lot of what they were going through, and they couldn't relate to a lot of what you were going through.
1: Right, and so yeah. not having that. On the other side, that's what I was wanting to create so that that transition is just a little easier for the men as individuals, but then also that means the whole family unit is gonna be healthier and happier and connected and bonded. And then, you know, it's all about the baby too. Like that dad, the baby has a healthy and happy mom that's fully supported by their partner dad Mm -hmm. is fully engaged and active and excited about fatherhood and parenthood and conscious going into it and that family unit going into the world is going to make a much more powerful impact and change in the world that we desperately need right now than if a family goes into goes into this whole thing broken and it it takes them years to uh, recover from it if at all so that's that's what I want to do like as a as a dad as a male to be able to do that for others like I really see as a, a role that I want to step more into in these next couple of years to be able to you know create a safe space for men to come together and work through it and be better on the other side for their families.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, So, Jay, do you have any advice or tips for soon-to-be parents, specifically, um, you know, dads or partners diving into this?
1: Yeah, specifically to dads, understanding that being an amazing support for a mom in the third trimester and in birth and in the first three months afterwards, in that kind of first few weeks, days, and months, um, is so vital. And it... It's, you might, it might be like unsung and unappreciated, but it's so vital to making sure mom's um, comfortable and supported and nurtured and stepping into that kind of nurturer aspect of the provider is so key and understanding, like, does mom like her feet being rubbed or not? I mean, most most moms mm-hmm. do, right? So, <laughs> so that's one of the first things I say is that, and this is—I mean—all the polling I've done of moms, like in my practice, and I have things that I do online, like surveys of like, "What did dads do great? And what do you wish they did?" Like, <laughs> almost every time, like, rub my feet is on it, right, <laughs> either couldn't do it enough or wish they did. And those are like simple little things to connect and bond and to like relax and soothe that dads can do uh, like in postpartum as well as um, in pregnancy there. But I would say like specific, uh, I mean, there's lots of other um, like little things like that, that I don't want to dismiss as little things because they're big, like a foot rub at the end Mm -hmm. of a hard day is amazingly connecting um, for uh, the couple to be that much more, Resilient to going into the next day of parenthood when it might have been a tough one. And then making sure that just dads really know there's a role for them rather than just being along for the ride. There are roles that we've talked a lot about today and pregnancy, birth and postpartum to step into and to be powerful within to be able to help your family launch into something really, really beautiful. I mean, it's such an amazing experience. I love being a dad. I've wanted to be a dad forever. <laughs> it took forever for me to become a dad, not forever, but it took a longer than my mom wanted me to do. <laughs> you know, like, I Finally got a grandkid for, uh, for my mom, right? but I, it's, it's such a wonderful experience. It's so hard at the same time. And that's what my friends told me all the time. It's like, it's the greatest thing ever. And it'll drive you crazy. And I thought mm-hmm. I understood what they meant, but I didn't really until I was in the trenches of it. Yep. And so <laughs> having, the, having support is, is key to be able to get you through a hard day, a hard week, a hard um, phase, um, to know During you're COVID. not alone in it. <laughs> to know you're not alone and also to know that there's a light at the end of the table, uh, uh, that tunnel. Cause when you're in it, it might feel like, Oh my God, what happened? Like I'm never going to, it's never going to change. And that mm-hmm. hopelessness can be really hard to do alone. And uh, so having that kind of support I think is key. Yeah.
0: So what is something you're going to do this week to take care of yourself?
1: Myself? I am needing to move because I don't move nearly enough, meaning exercise. not at not location, moving my house on a, a Christmas week. Um, I've just – my body craves exercise, and I've mm-hmm. not done nearly much because I've been so busy, and that's a horrible excuse. And if my patients are telling me that, I say, like, okay, you need to make yourself a priority <laughs> and find the time. So – that has been, uh, that's on my list um, to do. I'll be actually, once we're off of here, I have a window before my next thing that I'm going to be going for a walk, just something simple. Um, But that's that's my key. That's my (laughs) self-care.
0: Nice. I love it. And can you share a success or a funny story from this week?
1: Oh, I mean, this is uh, at the time of recording, it's like right before Christmas week and we are fully immersed in it. And we don't do elf on a shelf um, with my son. It's an elf, but it's not that like elf looking, the informer elf (laughs) of of looking at you. and I'm going to report back to Santa if you're bad. It's never been that. Like the elf's a buddy. It's a pen pal. Um, He writes notes to it every night and then the elf does crazy stuff. But the last thing that um, the elf did was I ended up the elf, I should say, um, spread cotton balls and mini marshmallows all over the living room making a mess. <laughs> and Nico waking up to that and coming in and being like, Dad, you won't believe what the elf did. I'm like, really? <laughs> what do you think? And having that, like the magic of the elf being real and mm-hmm. a fun thing and that creativity and the imagination of it and just i mean it's just pure magic is so fun to be a part of and i think that's a, one of the biggest gifts i've gotten as being a parent is you get to see the world through a child's eyes and oh, seeing that. it again through a children's eyes is so mm-hmm. necessary because as adults like you get used to things and you get yeah. jaded and you see things and that kids are sheltered from. And that's a good thing. But it's so great to <laughs> have the energy in the house being around like, all right, what are we going to do for the elf? And the elf did this. And it becomes yeah. like you've got this little magic fairy in the house and it lightens everything. So it's oh, that's been it. the biggest, like that's been so fun over these last couple of weeks.
0: Oh, yeah, we didn't, um, our elf did not come visit us this year. Yeah. Um, Because of a whole lot of reasons. Yeah. We're going to go with COVID. (laughs) Yes, totally. Um, But because uh, my kids, dad and I recently separated... Um we decided we were gonna switch some stuff up for Christmas, so our mm-hmm. kid the kids will be going and and spending Christmas with him and and his parents because they're very big on Christmas and okay. I've never been super religious, so for me, it's just another day. Yeah. Um, so we wrote a letter to Santa asking if Santa would come and visit us for winter solstice instead. Fantastic. So we actually celebrated yesterday oh I and love that. so. So getting ready for that, um, you know, we put out the cookies and the milk for Santa and the kids on their own with no prompting were just like, we need to leave a bowl of water for the reindeer. Like, of course we need to, Mama. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Of course we're leaving a bowl of water for the reindeer. And they were like, (laughs) yep, exactly. And they were like, and carrots and i was like right. okay so we go get carrots and they're like how many carrots do we need to leave out how many reindeer does santa have and they're like sitting there trying to count them all out uh, isn't
1: that fun so it
0: was so cute and it was just like it's something that you know i it wouldn't have occurred to me to leave out a bowl of water for the right? reindeer but of course them, and thankfully they're yeah. they're in
1: charge of taking care of the reindeer in that way yeah well so and crazy. i love how you change that up because i'm a single parent as well so i know what that's like to have it kind of in two houses and switching back and forth and it it can be really challenging but it at the same time can be a, like a good thing for the kiddos um to have yeah. it in two different ways so kudos to you for doing that
0: <laughs> thanks um well uh so one last thing before we go um mm-hmm. where can everyone find you how can we connect with you instagram website stuff like that
1: Yeah, all of that. Like, it's all under drjwarren.com. Um, like on Instagram, it's drjwarren. Same thing on Facebook. My website uh, has all the different things, whether it's chiropractic oriented or the online courses that I do, or the dad stuff or the podcast. So that's that's the easiest way uh, to find me and to kind of look into what what's there that might pique your interest i will say like there there's if you don't mind there's a a nine myths about becoming a new dad a pdf that i've put out that um, is a freebie for anybody that wants it you can get that at my website slash nine myths but that's a great way to kind of encompass like these ways of educating dads like moving into this huge transition and, and doing it better
0: Oh, perfect. I love that. We'll link to all of that in the show notes for this episode so everybody can find it all super easy. Click right over and and get access to all of that and connect yeah. with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us. I loved having you on and talking all about the dad's perspective with you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been just a great fun conversation. I'd love to do it again.
0: <laughs> thank you. And to our listeners, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on Birth Reimagined. If you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there at Birth Reimagined Family. And if you'd like to join our email list, you can get the link to that on the show notes for this episode. Being a member of our email list gets you access to all our freebies and make sure you're kept in the loop whenever a new episode drops or we have anything exciting to share. Thanks again and see you next time.